0: Okay, welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about Drucker's book called Managing for the Future. He says, contrary to popular belief, many of the US multinationals are advancing rather than retreating in Western Europe and in Japan. So what I find interesting is with that statement is I'm looking at Sri Lanka and that was a country that's just gone bankrupt. They defaulted on their debts. And I was listening to this newscast that was talking about what was the main cause of the default. And one was uh, new political leadership, and the leadership uh, banned fertilizer. And so there was a 50% drop in production of agriculture products that led to a first time import of rice. So they had to pay for imports of rice. And rising inflation also was impacting them because of the uh, dollar devaluation. So inflation was being exported around the world. And that caused food prices to increase by roughly 50%. So the combination of rising food prices and high inflation also led to higher unemployment. And uh, that caused uh, a cascade effect. As COVID hit, more, less tourism was uh, impact, uh, going to Sri Lanka. So they had a $2 billion tourist industry and all of that uh, in the industry was severely <coughs> reduced. So now, because of a reduction in the tax revenue, because people aren't working as much, um, they weren't able to pay their bills, and so they defaulted on their loans. And that caused the Cascade disaster occur. Um, so, when you look at multinationals, they are... Business across borders, and uh, and they have to be considerate of the economy of those locations where they do their business. A the small car plant in Fremont, California, is jointly owned by GM and Toyota, and was designed to teach GM how to build small car pro- cars profitably. The two car company produced are the. Chevrolet Nova and the Toyota Corolla FX. You know, it's kind of strange because I don't know those two brands being actually very popular. I know I drove a Nova when I was a kid but I do see Novas on the road but I don't see a lot of them. And I do drive a Toyota Corolla but not the FX. So what were they trying to learn? Was GM trying to learn how to build a Corolla or was Toyota trying to learn how to build the Nova. Now the Nova did have some pretty good engineering. I thought it was a pretty good car. Um, it had the posi tracks, so when you accelerated, both the rear wheels stayed in sync with each other. You didn't have that differential slippage or differential where one wheel had more torque on it than another a better, better uh, acceleration experience. One of the things that was strange about the Nova is that it's gear shifting. Um, You shifted. I I actually had to shift by clutch. So there was different gears for first, second, third, fourth, and uh, reverse. And it was all done with the Steering column, and so that was a unique experience learning how to drive. A Nova that way. Now, I'm sure now most of the cars are automatic or follow a stick shift, but for some strange reason they deviated from the norm and uh, tried this other approach for shifting. It was a really quite a bad experience, if you ask me, wasn't it? It's not as fast or easy to shift as a uh, when you're shifting. At, at, at elbow level. <laughs> Maybe the idea behind that is that it was less distance to the steering wheel. I don't know, but um, it wasn't a great experience driving the Nova that way. Okay, but the point he's making is that the multinationals learn from each other and they form co ops in order to uh, facilitate sharing of information. Going transnational is not confined to manufacturing firms. Companies become transnational to gain leadership positions in the developing world. Yeah, I'm not sure if I know any case examples of that, but uh, that would make sense. Uh, I guess what they're looking for is areas of the world where, because of They can gain leadership position and uh, at the same time they can access the talent pool that's local to that area and develop that through uh, human organizational structure, um, reporting roles and responsibilities, activities, and then create the uh, process pipelines that are classic to American business management. In an age of sharp and violent currency devaluations, this means a leader must be able to innovate, to produce and market in every area of the developed world or in every area um, and be defenseless against competition should foreign exchange rates sharply shift. Yeah, you can imagine. Let's say you were in Japan, which there is an interesting balance. Okay, it's companies in the U.S. are in Japan, Japan companies are in the U.S. And you would think that there would be more Japanese companies in the U.S. than there are in the United States or in the, and U.S. companies in Japan. But the truth is, it's about equal. And so every system has these equalizing elements because otherwise you would have these tremendous um, generators of wealth that are foreign. And so there had to be some way of balancing out, almost like a yin-yang thing, positive negative. So the U.S. companies are uh, accessing Japanese leadership in the local economies at the same time as uh, U.S. based Companies from Japan are, are excuse me, uh, Japanese-based companies are positioned in the U.S. hiring U.S. workers and accessing U.S. localized leadership talent to develop their products and services. But at the same time, knowing that exports could drop because of the exchange rate, but in, by positioning in the local economy, then they can uh, sell. At the local economy's currency, so if I'm in uh, selling Japanese cars, I'm, I'm going to receive the payments in, in dollars, and that means, so there isn't this exchange for dollars for yen at that point. Um, in the early '80s, currency fluctuations approached 50 percent due to stronger dollar and higher interest rates. The world market of manufacturing goods produced by the U.S.-based companies stayed at 20 to 22%. A level sustained since the 1960s. Exports decreased in steel, automobiles, consumer electronics, machine tools, and semiconductors. American manufacturers with Western European ventures substantially increased their market penetration in computers and computer software, in pharmacy, specialty chemicals, telecommunication equipment and financial services. Yeah, I think we're moving back towards a stronger dollar. And as I pointed out, with the uh, with the junk bond market, uh, increased risk for default there, and also the fact that there's a decreasing number of investors buying bonds, the interest rates are going to be rising. Well, as those interest rates rise, that's going to shut off Um, some of the devaluation we've experienced for money expansion and the liquidity gets uh, soaked up as as bonds are sold off and then the uh, dollar becomes stronger. So as interest rates rise, that increases the strength of the dollar and that will then make imports more expensive Um, and we will be able to buy more, actually, as the dollar gets stronger. But as the dollar gets stronger against other currencies, their economies start to slow. No company was hit harder in the early 80s by the tide of Japanese imports in the U.S. than Ford. What saved Ford was its leadership position in European market. Yeah, and you kind of see, saw how Ford rebranded its vehicles. To the European market, um, Ford Fusion, for example, had a very European look. Uh, the Escort was imported over, and it may have got its influence from the Fiat or Opel, and some of the smaller subcompact vehicles that Ford is known for uh, increased their sales. Now, I'm not aware of big sales of Mustang in foreign markets in Europe but it it could be possible because the uh, the Mustang has the American European look, but it also has the American muscle feel. Uh, International trade had been steadily slowing down for the most part of the past decade, but international investment is booming as never before. Most of the investments are in securities third permanent investment in manufacturing and financial services trade is becoming dependent on investment yeah and so uh, that's the world now of international business is investment and so securities are nothing more than commodities so they to become res- resources that are invested in foreign economies And that new money, or that hot money, uh, is used to grow those emerging markets. And what they're doing is they're racing based on the talent and the opportunity in those international companies, countries and companies. Um, They're racing to capitalize on profits. And just like we were saying, if, if a company can achieve those profits early, then it can also then um, qualify for additional funds funding, allowing them to uh, get large enough that they can sustain their growth long term. Protectionism is a minor factor in international investment investing. Okay, that's interesting. I would think for China tariffs and and those type of barriers to trade would have actually been an inhibitor but did China slow down the exports of steel to the US I, I doubt it. Um, what about aluminum? I don't I never read about how China slowed those exports down. They just paid higher amounts of money for the tariffs which uh, it helped the US economy at the same time the US economy was booming and more orders were being placed for Chinese goods. So I don't think it hurt China's uh, exports. They just paid a larger portion of their share, which they should have. Between uh, <coughs> 1986 and 91, U.S. manufacturing exports nearly doubled with big sales to Japan and Western Europe. The export boom filled U.S economic expansion. The list of export items during the economic jump included jet engines, heart valves, sophisticated software. It also included non-tech such items as movies, recording, rock recordings, running shoes, blue jeans, office furniture, and I would say also um, HVA's uh, heating and cooling systems running for running large data centers, and also probably for consumers in their homes. And among the star performers were firms that have been active in the world economy for a long time, and many for decades that had big plans abroad. All successful export products Sport successes had clearly defined markets and clearly known customers. The world market is a foreign market only in st- statistics. Hmm. world market is a foreign market only in statistics. I wonder what he meant by that. Because <clears throat> it just seems like when it came down to it, they produced a good product. And... The way they determine, like if I if I were looking at a Hyundai fuel cell semi versus a Nikola fuel cell semi, I would look at the product differentiation and the price. And let's say the Hyundai fuel cell semi is half the cost, but the Nikola semi has. Um, more sophisticated engineering and parts that it used quality parts maybe i would still go with the nicola because of the quality aspect but then if it came down to price where i only had a certain budget and 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 i was replacing a a fleet of 100 semis with fuel cell order then uh, Valuable that injured engineering is for the price. So it is, does come down to uh, product differentiation, and um, also the uh, their perception of quality. So a successful um, exporter must manage foreign exchange exposure and avoid foreign losses. Um, Exporting manufacturing abroad complement each other. Quality design, service, innovation, marketing have become more important than low wages. And again, that's what I was saying is that, you know, because of product differentiation and the globalization of markets that, um, saving on price is not necessarily the key strategy. The key strategy today is quality and quality of the engineering design, the service, the innovation. Those are more important than low wages. Low wages does not give enough of a competitive competitive advantage to matter. Transportation, communication, travel, insurance and finance offset labor savings with increased cost of distance yeah because you can put your products in a cargo container ship them across to a port load it on a semi and deliver it to a warehouse which is the common uh, pattern that a lot of companies now have moved to they don't manufacture their products locally and so the transportation cost then is factored into the price of the products that they're selling. Um, blue collar costs in the U.S. manufacturer accounted for 18 percent of total cost. Labor costs are dropping as productivity is rising. GM still has a blue collar cost of nearly 30 percent, in part because of the restrictive work rules in its union contract. Toyota and Honda in U.S. plants want to reduce labor costs to 15 percent within a decade. And did they do it? I mean, it's been a decade. That would be the question. Did Honda and Toyota manage to achieve that? And how would they have achieved it? Through automation, robotic automation. So more of their plants will be fully automated. Um, They're going to take advantage of the technology to reduce their labor cost. Japan wants control of brain power. Japanese companies are quickly restructuring their organization on the assumption that the winner in a competitive world market is going to be the firm that effectively shortens the product life of its own products. New accounting measures, time cost cuts against the benefit of finished goods inventory. Yeah, and so, and, and the way they're going to do this is in China. So they're going to take semi-finished goods or raw goods and they're going to export it to China, and China's going to finish it off. Now, how's China going to get the quality that Japan wants? Well, they're going to use robotics. And who's going to assist China in developing that robotic technology? Japan. Uh, Statistical Quality Control, SQC, is a rigorous scientific method of identifying the quality and productivity that can be expected from a given production process in its current form, so the control of quality and productivity can be built into the process. SQC can instantly spot malfunctions and show where they occur. A worn tool, a dirty spray gun, an overheating furnace, SQC uses small samples to identify problems. Malfunctions are reported immediately, allowing the operator to correct problems in real time. SQC quickly identifies the impact of any change on the performance of the entire process. SQC identifies where and, uh, and how often the quality and productive, productivity of the entire process can be continuously improved. Yeah, and uh, that's great. I mean, where did the Japanese learn continuous improvement? From America, from Deming, from quality from quality control, statistical quality control, which is now called Six Sigma, but well, yes, it was an American innovation, uh, American approach to improving quality. In U.S. factories, especially mass production plants, non-operating blue-collar employees substantially outnumber operators. The introduction of statistical quality control also almost always increases the number of machine operators. Yes, why is that? Because machines do a better job at, at process. So they would take and put more operators over machines to increase the quality and the speed of the uh, production line. First line uh, supervisors are eliminated with only a few trainers that take their place. SQC makes it possible for machine operators to be in charge of their work and make this control mandatory. No one else has hands-on knowledge needed to act effectively on the information the SQC constantly feeds back. Most U.S. uh, brands' goods sold in Japan are manufactured there, rather than imported. U.S. brands that have good leadership in Japan are computers and software, soft drinks, candy, analytical and clinical instruments, and pharmaceuticals. Japan is the largest buyer of U.S. farm products. There is no one product that can be purchased elsewhere for a cheaper price. Japan is buying from the U.S. to protect their exports to America. And what do they buy? It's really interesting. Uh, Rice. Of all things, you would think that they would grow. Japan would grow its own rice. No, U.S. beef and feed commodities are exported to Japan, meeting a substantial demand. Japan's ban on foreign rice creates demand for U.S. wheat. So, well, excuse me, they don't buy rice; they buy U.S. wheat, and so we send lots of U.S. wheat over to Japan. Japanese barriers to foreign entry are extremely high. American businesses that have been allowed entry into service have done well, while substantially improving standards and quality. The investment-driven economy worked in Japan. The highest number of Japanese tax-exempt savings accounts was strongest among the fairly low-income earners. In 1998, the tax-exempt accounts were scrapped. The savings helped fund the explosive growth of the Japanese economy. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting because I think Japan Japanese were saving between twenty to thirty five percent of their money. Uh, may have been a cultural thing after the war. It may have actually existed before the war, but those huge savings accounts then uh, gave access to the ministry of industry and tech trade, um, access to those funds, which the government then borrowed against and used that to grow the Japanese economy. Japanese loan rates were 5% compared to 15 in the U.S. for commercial loans. Investment and low capital costs helped Japanese business become profitable. Yeah, because taxes and interest rates on loans makes that money expensive and it makes it harder to repay Any country that has given a tax exempt or tax deferment to savings has had the same experience as Japan. Middle and lower income earners take the advantage of these opportunities. Yeah, we want that. We want that to happen in America. The destruction of the middle class is very disturbing because now you're going to have rich and poor classes you're not going to have a middle class When you have a middle class, you have a lot of wealth. They'll have one, two, three homes, uh, multiple cars, they have lots of disposable income and it's very it forms a very healthy economy. We have learned since Joseph Dodge that nothing works as well as developing country as legalizing tax avoidance. Yeah, social programs, uh, driven by high taxation, are very burdensome to a free market society and a capitalistic economy. The high cost of capital destroys confidence. Latin America, rather than Japan, holds the key to the trade deficit. Yes, and we really need to improve our relationships with Latin America and begin to export our technology, our know-how, and our agriculture to latin america and latin america is the key to reducing u.s inflation unfortunately i don't think it's going to happen i think that you see russia and china now heavily partnering with latin america and pulling deals there and even iran is and that's a big concern because latin america could be the u.s greatest trade partner The U.S. is the world's largest producer and exporter of agriculture and forest products, and about one-third of the trade deficit is directly traceable to the collapse in prices and demand. Another third owing to the impact of raw material depression, and Latin America is one of U.S. manufacturing's best foreign customers. And we need to continue that. And I think if Trump were In power which I'm not saying that he will ever return back into power but it would be my dream if he did that uh, he would improve trade relationships with uh, Latin America and help us become wealthy again Uh, Japan's export surplus is far less the result of industrial prowess than of raw material depression Japan is the world's largest raw material importer is the beneficiary. Yeah, they've got to import those uh, raw materials. They import uh, lumber from the U.S., they import wheat from the U.S., and then um, they will take those, put them in semi-finished goods, and the finished goods then are exported to China, uh, out from from Japan to China, and China then exports that to the U.S., so it, it fulfills that complete cycle. And then we create, we buy the Jap- or the Chinese goods, um, and produced in China, and uh, then pay for that, and that helps capitalize uh, money for exports to Japan. U.S. food exports to Japan will not be expected to bounce back. The U.S. will be hard pressed to maintain current export volume with the developed world in years to come. When trader, foreigners convert their dollar claims to U.S. assets and buy American business and real estate, this will not be tolerated politically. Yes, I would agree with that if the Republicans were in power, but the it's not uh, correct today. We see more sovereign wealth funds buying U.S. businesses and real estates, and what's happening is it's creating a real estate uh, bubble, and prices are going up. Real estate prices are going up. Uh, ownership of businesses through blackrock is lots of uh high tech companies are now owned by blackrock and they have board of director uh, presence on the in those american owned companies there are two ways to cut the trade deficit a sharp recession cuts domestic consumption by 10% or Revival of Latin America as a customer for U.S. manufacturing goods. That would be my preferred choice is to make improve relationships with Latin America. Until the raw materials depression hits, Latin America's worked effectively in the market economy and participated in rapid economic growth. Latin America has three times as much capital as foreign debt. Latin America needs to stop inflation by turning off the spigot of government spending. Dismantle the unproductive monopolies owned by the government government or military cut excessive nominal tax rates that discourage honest enterprise but increase tax collection. Mexico has dismantled government monopoly industries. Every day the Mexican economy is becoming more closely integrated with the U.S. Um yes, maybe. Uh I I could still see that China is increasing its interest in Mexico. And we've had a lot of financial um disasters with Mexico in the past. And will Mexico's economy be closely integrated with the US? Well, okay, so some people believe and Drucker believes a US economy. US Canadian Mexico agreement could form a North American economic community. Foreigners now can own 100% of a industrial park in Mequilla-Doria, The maquila parts and supplies for maquila are waved through at the border and enter Mexican Mexico duty free. In turn, the maquila products were exported to the US are subject to American duty only on the value added in Mexico. Maculadores have created 500,000 new jobs in the last decade. So in that sense, there's proof that Mexico is a, our trade partner. Brazil has sold off a hundred unproductive government enterprises yeah, government enterprises rarely, they start off big, they start off with lots of money and financing, they get lots of volume. But because they're not based on a close response to the market needs, they can't maintain productivity and they can't maintain innovation, and so they eventually uh, die off. So it's kind of like a, it will peak out at a certain curve point and then slowly uh, drop down.